From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up today is part two of our Freedom Sunday special. If you missed part one from Friday, go to TonyPerkins.com, and you can listen to the first half of Freedom Sunday. It took place at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in Southern California. And while you're there, if you've not yet taken the challenge, take the challenge to pray Vote and stand. Pray for our nation. Commit to vote biblical values and stand for truth. We're just 14 days away from what could be the most important election in the history of our republic. Pray, vote, stand. Take the challenge. Well, a half a year after the coronavirus pandemic began, many churches remain closed in some states and restricted in attendance in many others. Freedom Sunday explored the biblical, constitutional, and even the medical science that made clear it's past time for the churches in America to be meeting again. So why are churches still being restricted? Why are some closed? Well, that too was a part of Freedom Sunday. We had thousands join in person and more tuned in virtually from around the world. So now we're going to share with you some of the highlights We'll be hearing from a number of pastors that have been fined and some even threatened with arrest for meeting, including Pastor John MacArthur. We'll hear from biblical scholars, Dr. Wayne Grudem, Dr. Al Mohler, and constitutional expert Ryan Tucker. So stay tuned to the entire program. And again, you can find out more at the website, TonyPerkins.com. We begin with a message today from Dr. John MacArthur, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. It's a privilege for me to to add my voice to this effort by the Family Research Council and to give a little bit of a testimony of what's happened here at Grace Church over the last uh, six or seven months. We all responded the same way because we were told that millions of people were going to die and uh, we, we needed to shut down everything, and um, we could preach with a live stream. No people could come at all. And, of course, everybody responded the same way. Wow, we don't want to be responsible for, for death, so we'll, we'll do that. And so Sunday after Sunday, I, I preached to this auditorium empty. No one was here. Sunday after Sunday, I, I stood up and basically preached, and it was broadcast across uh, the Internet online and translated into five or six languages and went around the world, but nobody was here. I think about four weeks into that, it became apparent to our people here in California that uh, millions of people were not dying, that people were interacting more with others, and uh, they were not as fearful as they had initially been led to believe they should be. And so they started coming back to church. There were dozens, and then there were hundreds, and we never made an announcement. We never said, it's time to come back, but they kept coming and kept coming. And pretty soon there were hundreds, and then there were thousands, and and now there are so many coming on Sunday. We fill up the auditorium standing room only. We fill up the chapel. We fill up uh, the Family Center gymnasium. We have a huge tent in the parking lot, and that's full. We don't tell them anything about social distancing. We don't tell them anything about masks. We let them make their own judgment. But the statistics indicate to us, and these statistics are valid, that in California, if you're between, for example, 50 and 64, you have a one chance in 19.1 million of dying from COVID. People know that. They see that. 
In fact, even catching COVID, it only happens to one one hundredth of one percent of the people in California. So our people have become aware of the fact that the fear that is being generated doesn't relate to reality. We have our church open, and we've been open for a couple of months now, and we're packed out everywhere. We have never had anyone that we know of in the hospital. Certainly no one has died. And we don't currently have any known cases of COVID. There were a couple of folks in the past in the early part of the virus that um, had some sickness, but recently we haven't had any indication of that at all. We feel that this is what needs to happen in a time like this. Church needs to be open. Uh, we're not going to kill people by being open. We may, we may save them from a fate worse than death, and that is eternal judgment and hell by giving them the gospel and of all times to be open and of all times to be proclaiming the truth. This is the most critical time. The, the county wanted to take away our parking. The courts would not let them do that. We've been to court seven times and uh, we're still open. The, the court has not allowed the city using all their strategies to shut us down. God has blessed us being open more than just the physical opportunity to meet. The spiritual impact has been incredible. And I would just encourage you, open your church. We have just followed the Lord, the head of the church. We will obey God rather than men. And one other thing to say, you need to vote and you need to exercise your vote, not so much along some traditional party line. You need to vote for those people who have the closest to a biblical stand on morality. That means you can't vote for someone who votes for the murder of babies in, a, in abortion. You can't vote for someone who supports same-sex marriage. You can't vote for someone who advocates transgender behavior. You can't vote for someone who ignores God and His Word. Use your vote to make an act of righteous conduct. And you have to vote so that you can take the opportunity to express your righteous convictions on behalf of the Lord Himself. You're listening to a special Freedom Sunday edition of Washington Watch. Highlights from a Sunday night event at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in Southern California, focusing on why churches are closed and why they need to open. Coming up next, Pastor Amado Wizar, who serves as the executive pastor of South Bay United Pentecostal Church in San Diego, California. His church's boldness to serve God rather than man not only changed the life of one man, but changed the course of eternity. Let's hear what he had to say. Amen. Why don't we give glory to God right now? Give him the greatest hand praise we've given him yet today. Thank you, Jesus. You are high and lifted up. Come on. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. This season has been darkened with a path. Our path has been darkened and society has seen many things shaken. Our barrios, our communities, our cities, our churches and our homes have been shaken up like never before. On March 15, 2020 was the last time we would gather in person at South Bay United Pentecostal Church in Chula Vista. 
And that Thursday on March 19th, the governor, he issued a stay-at-home order. And it was immediate, and it was until further notice. And we thought that it was just a short time, so we obliged. And while we reacted and forced ourselves to amend our services, we thought that this was based on a short forecast, not knowing, even though we were voluntarily aligning to this, it was still un- unconstitutional. For it is our right and privilege, amen, to worship God. <laughs> week after week, we were clamped. Having forcing ourselves to preach to a camera, hoping someone would be saved. But then we decided that we would join a lawsuit and we knew that this stay-at-home order was unconstitutional. We went to county court and then the Ninth Circuit Court. And two judges, Obama-appointed judges, ruled against us. And we appealed for an emergency injunction, a restraining order against that judgment. And we took it to the Supreme Court and Justice Keegan brought it to the entire uh, justices there, and it was ruled against us in a five to four decision. Now, that wasn't a defeat. It was just an injunction, an emergency order. And so we went back, and we're currently back at the Ninth Circuit, and the matter was at hand. We needed to have church, and on May 31st, Pentecost Sunday, we opened the doors, and the Spirit of the Lord moved. Amen. And we didn't look back, and we haven't looked back. And while we continue to follow CDC guidelines, I can tell you we are the safest church on planet Earth. No one has gotten COVID as a result of coming to our church. Our God is our refuge, and it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. I came and rushed over here for this evening, this event. This morning, someone came and they had a a tragedy this week and they found someone and that person invited them to church. They came to church today and the Lord filled them with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that life was changed because our church doors were open. And so there's a hunger and a desire. And we have linked arms with Catholics and Jews. Amen. The Jewish community and the Christian community. And we've been praying and having rallies. And it was in August, the first Friday of August, that our world would be shaken. It's a matter of life and death. We still were giving food. Our church gives out food every single Friday, first Friday of the month. We were there serving and a man comes and gets my attention. He says, I need to go inside the church and pray. Note that it would have been, it is unlawful for him to do that. We went in there, we prayed, he repented of his sins, he was filled with the Holy Ghost and he was baptized in Jesus' name. He continued to go to church and on the first Friday of September, The same day we were giving out food, I preached that man's funeral. You see, Brian was a part of the mafia. And the only way to get out was to be murdered by his own or by an enemy. But he realized he lived it out for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Had we been closed, he would have died a sinner. But thank God we were open. He died a child of God. Amen. We are desperate. To open our churches. God bless you. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. This is a special Freedom Sunday edition. Clips from an event we did at, at uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in Southern California with our good friend, Pastor Jack Hibbs. We're focusing on the more than essential nature of the church and why churches need to be open. We looked at the biblical 
argument. We looked at the constitutional authority, and we've even looked at the science, the medical science. All of that says churches should be open. So why are they closed? Well, that was also a part of Freedom Sunday. If you miss any of uh, the Freedom Sunday event, you can go to TonyPerkins.com. It's all archived right there. And again, you can take the pledge to pray, to vote, and to stand. We're just 14 days away from an extremely important election, and you need to be talking to your friends. We've got plenty of resources available to share with them about why this election is important, a comparison between the two parties. We've got a list of accomplishments of President Trump and his administration, all resources for you to use in talking to family and friends. All that can be found at TonyPerkins.com, or you can go to PrayVoteStand.org. It's all right there. All right, don't go away, because we're going to come back with more Washington Watch, this special edition. On the other side of this break, we'll be hearing from Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Christian Ministries at Alliance Defending Freedom, Ryan Tucker, about the ways ADF is fighting church restrictions right after this break. The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash humansexuality. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. 
What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I, I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. You're listening to a special Freedom Sunday edition of Washington Watch, an event we did at uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, with my good friend, Pastor Jack Hibbs, focusing on churches and the need for churches to open again. Unfortunately, some churches have been threatened with legal action for months if they open their doors. Now, let's listen to Ryan Tucker, Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Christian Ministries at Alliance Defending Freedom, about what they have been doing to fight for the right of churches to meet. Thank you. Thank you. I I don't know how I can possibly follow what we saw earlier uh, tonight. I mean, what an amazing cast. I'm just a boring lawyer. So I get to do all the boring stuff. These are guys are the real heroes. But thank you so much. My organization, ADF, uh, has been engaged uh, throughout these last six, seven months in a number of different battles. I'll never forget about six, so six and a half months ago, I got a frantic phone call. There was an individual on the other side that said, look, we have 15 people that have just been cited. And I said, well, what's the crime? Well, the crime, it was showing up to a drive-in service, a drive-in church service. These individuals had shown up, windows were rolled up, the, um, uh, these police officers had surrounded uh, these 15 individuals, knocked on their windows, and handed them citations. Now, keep in mind, this is Greenville, Mississippi, and right next door, Right next to the actual church was a Sonic drive-in restaurant. So you could go and you could have your burger and fries, but if you were to go just mere feet away and park in that parking lot, you would get a citation. So that started our engagement. Uh, Fortunately, we were able to help that church, help those individuals, and take care of uh, that just unconstitutional act. But it didn't stop there. And I knew when I got that phone call that there would be a a number of these across the United States. Because if the Bible Belt's being hit with this, then you know that this Pandora's box is being opened. And so one of those uh, more recent phone calls came from Nevada. And you saw Pastor Gary earlier in in the video. And in Nevada, as Tony mentioned, as we've seen in the videos, uh, churches are limited in their number. At the time, we filed a lawsuit on behalf of Calvary Chapel. They were limited to 50 people. But casinos, casinos are open at 50% capacity. 
Meaning on the Las Vegas Strip, you can have hundreds, if not thousands of people packing it into a casino, all the while the church itself is limited. So we took that case. We filed that lawsuit. Uh, we went to the district court. We made that argument. The district court looked at us and said, well, I think I'm beholden to some precedent, so I'm not going to grant you that relief. And, yeah, that was, that was our response as well. So we took that case all the way up to the United States Supreme Court on an emergency application. The pastor just talked about uh, South Bay Pentecostal. They did the exact same thing. But we, we figured, look, if the casino is being uh, treated more favorably than the church, then surely, surely uh, we would get some relief here. But no, in a 5-4 decision, the United States Supreme Court said no. That is just an absolute grave, grave injustice. I'm extremely disappointed uh, in that result. And, you know, we are very much concerned about the court's uh, ability to, uh, or really their failure to protect our constitutional liberties, to be honest. Uh, but there's good news. We're right at the, at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals right now. We have oral argument uh, this December. That's right. I invite you to pray for us as we uh, continue to make that argument, and we have a chance, a likelihood of ending back up at the United States Supreme Court. Now, it's important because during this entire uh, episode, as we've watched these cases across the United States, some of the cases that have been cited have been 100-year-old decisions. These are precedents that have been around for quite a while. And so my point to you here tonight is the fact that You know, this is a generational battle. What we're doing now matters not just for us in the present, but for our kids and for our grandkids as well. What's also important to know is that in the span of months, we saw how our our liberties were were affected. And so... uh, it's it's so important for us to, uh, to take a stand to uh, to be uh, in front, to not be passive, to take the the laboring order, so to speak, and, and to put ourselves uh, out there. This is a situation where uh, religious battles used to be, uh, you know, limited to the Jack Phillips or the Baronel Stutzmans of the world, but now, now it's at the church doorstep. So it's all the more important for us to engage. We also need to make sure that we have justices. Justices that make decisions regardless of the political climate. And we hope that with the recent nomination of Amy Coney Barrett, we have a judge that is consistent with originalist interpretation. So again, please be in prayer for her. Please be in prayer for the Senate Judiciary Committee as they begin this nomination uh, confirmation hearing. We pray that you be with the, uh, the pastors, these pastors on the front row down here that are, that are standing in harm's way and taking a stand. And so please don't be passive during this time. We need you to be engaged. The church needs to stand. It cannot remain silent. We must all pray. We must all vote. We must all stand for truth during this season. Thank you and God bless. You're listening to a special edition of Washington Watch. We're featuring uh, highlights from our recent Freedom Sunday event. 
After this break, we'll hear a powerful message from Missions President of the Church of God in Christ, Bishop Vincent Matthews, Jr., on the dangers of this lockdown. Stick around. We're coming back with more Washington Watch after this. I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, i definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? In this important season for our nation, it is imperative for Christians to pray. While we have a responsibility to vote for biblical values and stand for truth, our priority should always be to seek the Lord first. Each week until the election, FRC and FRC Action will host a special Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to equip you to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth. We'll have experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders join us for these half-hour programs that will help you see through the fog that's been created by the biased lenses of the mainstream media. While you're there, be sure to take the 2020 Pray, Vote, Stand Challenge and make a commitment to pray for our nation, vote biblical values, and stand for truth during this 2020 election season. To watch the broadcasts and to take the 2020 Pray, Vote, Stand Challenge, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. And again, the website, TonyPerkins.com. In fact, there's a link to the entire Freedom Sunday event that was held at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills recently. And uh, this was to highlight the more than essential role that churches play in our community, whether personally, socially, in our civic lives, and why churches need to be meeting again. In this segment, we'll hear from the president of the missions board of the Church of God in Christ, Bishop Vincent Matthews, Jr., as he tells us about the dangers of the lockdown. Listen to what he had to say. 
I'm so blessed by this Freedom Sunday and this phenomenal day that we're having. God is great. It's a phenomenal day. And indeed, we must pray. We must vote. We must stand. You're right. Um, first of all, I must say that our presiding bishop, Bishop Charles Blake, has a passion for the people of America and has a vision for our people and is pushing us also to do the same, to pray, vote and to stand. And we've had challenges um, in our denomination. Many of our fathers and mothers are great people, especially at the beginning of this pandemic, have passed away. And it traumatized so many people. And our denomination is in mourning, as many of our great people have gone to be with the Lord. However, as we began to see, uh, first of all, the things that have happened in our land, uh, in many cities, the doubling of suicide, spikes in crime, We've seen all types of things that are happening around us. We've seen that not only the spikes in crime, doubling suicides, uh, addictions that have risen and people, uh, liquor stores being open, the, the abortions doubling down. And even during this time, we've seen Planned Parenthood making sure that they could destroy black lives. And then we've seen the protests that have happened and saw even here in the Memphis area in the end of May, May the 20th, uh, the, the, the newspaper, the commercial appeal shared with us that the number one cause of death in Shelby County, which is this tri-state area, was drug overdoses, which dwarfed the COVID deaths in our area. We began to see people who were burying people and they're grieving their loss and felt that the church has to do something. While we've lost warriors, we've lost people on the side, that the way to honor them is to pick up weapons and to keep fighting a good fight. The Trojan horse of the Black Lives Matter movement, while my black life matter and your life matters. Uh, the Trojan horse of the destruction of family, the destruction of churches, and the duplicity that we've seen from our government that in many areas have shut down churches and will not allow them to worship, not allow them to be to serve, have caused us to mobilize, that we must pray, first of all. Just as you said, we began praying and fasting and seeking God. And as we pray and fast and fight this warfare and fight this fight of faith, this is a spiritual fight that we're fighting, that the demonic forces in the United States of America are emboldened and seeking to shut down churches, to silence Christians, and to shut us down so that Jesus will not be lifted up. But Jesus said that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We must rise up and stand as God has taught us to do. You're not a black Christian. I'm not a white Christian. You're not a Latino Christian or Asian Christian. We are the body of Christ. And as we join together and serve, God will be magnified and God will be lifted up and Jesus will be lifted up in our land as we pray together and stand as Satan is rebuked. The scripture tells us, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. The devil must flee out of our cities, must flee out of our churches, and we will not stop worshiping, we will not stop praising God, and we will love Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so we began to pray. We began to fast and seek God. And as we pray and fast, Faith without works is dead. And so, yes, we will vote. And we will not vote based on our skin color. We'll not vote based on what we're told. We will vote, vote, vote from a biblical worldview that Jesus reigns. And we will vote righteousness and partner with God from a kingdom perspective. I'm neither blue. I'm not red. I am, I am under the blood. And as we vote under the blood, we will vote our biblical principles. And then we will stand against the wilds of the enemy. God called us when we saw those statistics 
of increased suicide and increased things that are happening and the atrocities in our land. We began to say, if we're going to stand, we must stand. And our church began to serve in the parking lot, uh, partnered with the Farmers to Families program, partnered with World Vision, and we're feeding 6,000 families from our local church and the Church of God in Christ across the country in 30 cities. We're feeding over 90,000 families groceries a week and serving and volunteering and serving because that's important for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to share the love of Christ. But we could not keep our churches closed because of the anxiety, the depression, the, the separating us, that coming together as the body. We love our people. We Today, we had two services in my local church in South Haven, Mississippi. People from all over the tri-state area of Arkansas, Tennessee, Mississippi came to worship. And as we worship God, I don't know how many people said I was suicidal. Uh, there were problems in my family, but God is freeing us. We cannot, just as Dean Nelson said a moment ago, be dictated by, by the demonic. Uh, uh, scourge of the enemy who speaks through governmental officials that we must stand, that our children and our adults must be impacted by the word of God. And as we have served, as we have sought to serve and bless God's people, we see strongholds that are broken. So yes, let us pray and fast. Let us vote. Let us stand and let Jesus be king. He reigns. And as he reigns, our nation will rise with him. Bless you, family. Bishop Matthews, thank you so much for your message tonight. Thank Thank you you for joining Freedom Sunday. I love you, brother. I appreciate your bold stand. Keep standing for Jesus. I love you too, my brother. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. That was Bishop Vincent Matthews, Jr., the Church of God in Christ, at our recent Freedom Sunday event in Southern California, encouraging churches to open their doors. Coming up next, we'll hear from the host pastor, my good friend, Pastor Jack Hibbs, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Don't go away. We're back with more after this. Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's Word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled, Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There is no better time than now to get to know God through His Word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There's no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out His meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to Him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. Check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com slash ways to read. That's frcblog.com slash ways to read. Since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, Congress and many states have taken various actions to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions or the abortion industry. As early as 1976, Congressman Henry Hyde led the effort to ban federal funding for abortions. The Federal Hyde Amendment, named after him, established the principle that abortion is not health care and therefore taxpayers should not be forced to fund abortions. Despite these efforts, the abortion industry still receives millions of dollars each year in taxpayer money. In 2019, Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider, 
received $616.8 million in government funds. Family Research Council's newly updated pro-life map tracks how your state has taken action to stop taxpayer funding of abortions. Go to frc.org slash pro-life maps to see where your state stands in the fight for life. That's frc.org slash pro-life maps. The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash humansexuality. Welcome back to this special Freedom Sunday edition of Washington Watch. And let me again encourage you, if you have not yet taken the challenge to pray, vote, and stand, you can do so by going to the website, TonyPerkins.com, or you can go to PrayVoteStand.org. And we've got lots of resources there for you. We're just 14 days away from this election. I hope that you are praying. I hope if you've not yet voted, you're committed to vote. And no matter what, we have to continue to stand for the truth. But at PrayVoteStand.org, we've got some great resources for you to help you communicate to your family and friends the urgency of this election, the choice that's before us. We've got a party platform comparison. We've got the list of accomplishments of the Trump administration, things that the media does not report. They don't want people to know about it. You can let people know by sharing those resources. Again, go to prayvotestand.org or tonyperkins.com. All right. This special Freedom Sunday event was held at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in Southern California. Pastor Jack Hibbs, whose church began meeting on May 31st of this year after being closed, they decided the Lord told them to meet. They began meeting, and they've literally seen thousands of people come to Christ as well. As a result of being there preaching the gospel and meeting. Here's what Pastor Jack Hibbs had to share with us at Freedom Center. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Love you too, very much. Thank you for being here, everybody. Thank you for being here. And this is a very serious moment for Tony and I. We're grateful that you're here. This whole thing came about by a conversation, I don't know, a little over a month ago, I think it was. And, um, the comment was in the conversation about Tony had said, you know, it'd be great if what happened in California on May 31st happened across the nation. And I, I said, Tony, you know, we need to do this. We need to challenge the pastors in America. And we looked at our calendars for a moment and October 10th, that's the 10th month, October the 25th of the month, instantly came out of our mouth, Hebrews 10:25. And so this all came together very, very quickly. And I I have a brief time. I've set my alarm. I want to stay true to the clock. Uh, stop laughing now. Listen. 
the Bible tells us, and it's never changed, the Bible tells us that the church is the ground and pillar of all truth. That's not something we teach about and talk about and get our kids to memorize those scriptures. That's an absolute fact according to God. It's the ground and pillar of all truth or it's not. That's a church's choice. But the truth never changes. The church is only the church when it's based and founded upon the Word of God, the Bible. There's no other foundation that can be laid than the Word of God. There's a lot called church in this day and age, and a lot of it's been exposed during this time. And I'm, listen, people are calling me and people are emailing me and lamenting the fact that this church closed and that church closed and this one probably won't open their doors. This pastor said we're not going to open till maybe Easter, maybe next summer. Listen, don't lament that. There's some churches that probably ought not to open up in the first place. We are to give out the word of God. We are to be teaching the Bible. And Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3 verse 8 to all of us, especially pastors, because his letter, Jesus' last words on earth, or last words I should say, to earth was to the church and specifically the pastors in the seven letters of the seven churches. And he spoke to the church at Philadelphia, which every pastor who reads the book of Revelation will say to themselves, I want my church to be a church of Philadelphia. And Jesus said there, I've set before you an open door that no man can shut. You've got a little strength and a little power. And the whole thing is built upon Christ being in the center of that church. According to the Bible, you and I need a little power. Think of it, a little. Jesus said, you've got a little power. That's all you need. Because he said, you've stood upon the word of God and you've not denied my name. That's the key. To stand on the word, which is to obey God. And to not, to, to not deny his name means we gather together. How is the name of Jesus going to be exalted and lifted unless we're together? I've heard it. It was said tonight. Well, we were preaching online. We, we, we reached more people online. That was a little window of God's grace and we're thankful for it. And we're still grateful for the media broadcast of God's word to the ends of the earth. But it's not church. This is church. You are church right now, meeting together and fellowshipping together. How in the world are we ever going to be salt and light when we're hiding the light under the basket? And it just turns out that we are the light and we've been hiding and cowering fear. We are not to be led by fear. We're not to be intimidated by fear. This is a serious time and all of our faith has been hit and you've either strengthened at this time or you've crumbled at this time. Now you're here tonight. You didn't crumble. But listen, Jesus said in the last days, everything that can be shaken shall be shaken and only that which can remain shall remain. And more than ever, we need to make sure that the candle light of the gospel is shining. We are rebuked in scripture regarding the thought of taking the light and hiding it under a bushel. And fear has driven the church of America underground. Listen, fear drove us there. We gave up. We threw in at the, at the, at the easiest attack. And we had politicians define a new vision for the church. We had Sacramento tell us what the church would and would not do when the church is not essential or non-essential, according to God, the church is transcendent. It is not of this world. It is supernatural. Your existence is supernatural as a born-again believer. This is not your politic. We're on our way to heaven and we're going to bring as many boys and girls, men and women with us as possible by sharing the gospel. But how many people perished? How many people didn't hear the love of Christ? Look, we all, when we heard President Trump ask so nice, I got to tell you, he asked nicely. We gave up those first 15 days. Then he asked again for 15 days. Then he handed the jurisdiction over the governors. That was tough. 
in this state. It was hard in this state. But we, we complied until it became very evident that the governor would not return our calls, would not return our questions. When do we get to open? And then when we were told that we might be positioned in the area of an amusement park, that reveals exactly what Gavin Newsom's view is of your worth and of our First Amendment right to meet as a church. That's unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. We've been gripped by fear. Fear is the absolute. I think it's telling. I think the church has been judged in the fact that we've been tested and scrutinized. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. And this ought to be a testimony to all of us that we have been gripped by fear rather than being held by the love of God. We've caved in and we need to stand up now. We need to stand like never before. This is our glorious moment as a church. Are we to be safe? Are we to wash our hands? If you're sick, stay home. Mom's taught us this for a thousand years. It works. But we will never, listen, this church, if this governor wants to close this church, he's got to chain these doors with his officers. We will never close the door again. Jesus said, I've set before you an open door. Not a closed door, an open door. And we've got to open our doors. And then, and then we understand. How is it? How is it that we fell for it? The fear of someone getting sick. You heard the stats tonight. You heard what was said. You heard Dr. Dan, by the way. You notice I took off my jacket. Tony still got his suit on. Then I saw Dr. Dan in his pajamas. And I thought, this is good enough. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Our entire nation freaked out in fear. Would to God, I told Tony the other night, would to God we feared sin as much as we feared COVID. Our nation would be completely changed. If we feared, if we feared our kids getting hooked on drugs, we'd be different parents. If we feared our community being invaded by violence, we'd be a whole different culture. If we feared drug abuse, human trafficking, if we feared our, what about this, our own lives, the thoughts that we think, the words that might be used, whatever's going on in our own lives, if we feared that more than COVID, there would have been a revival sweep this nation in the last few months, unlike the world has ever seen. And then finally, it's this. We are, we are all S-I-N positive. We're sin positive. And the glorious hour of the church, God's grace, listen, he's not done. He's not done with us because that's why he's purifying the church right now and the pulpit. Listen, there's a lot of people that need to come to Christ. There's a lot of people that want to be rescued from their fears. And we need to tell the truth. And we need to get out into this community and this world around us and tell people, listen up. If you feared sin as much as you feared COVID, you'd come to Christ. You'd give your heart to Jesus. The Bible tells us that, listen, that by the keeping of the law, no flesh will be justified in the sight of God because we are all sin positive. And Jesus Christ takes away that sin. Jesus Christ is the only hope. And the church is the only hope for America. It's not in the state house. It's not in the White House. It's in the church house. That's where the hope is. And so we are calling. We are calling this official declaration tonight from coast to coast. On October 25th, on behalf of the Christians who want to go back to church, We are calling upon every pastor in every state in the United States to open up their doors in unison together on October 25th. Open your doors. Open the doors. Let your people in. Let the sheep come home. Open your doors. God's people want to go to their church. 
Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And the shepherd's responsibility is to give them his voice and his voice is found in the Bible. And now's the time to stand. Now's the time to get engaged. Pastors, we beg of you. We plead with you. This is an opportunity for you to enjoy. Listen, in fact, in this part of the California, we need you to open up. Listen, we're seeing thousands of people get baptized. A couple weeks ago, 1,004 people got baptized on a Saturday morning. We need a bigger boat. We need a greater net. We need churches open up from coast to coast. Will you do that? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that people would give their life to the one who knows how to break the grave, wash sin away. The, the prophesied Messiah, Jesus Christ, who came, died on the cross, rose again from the dead because God could not be held by the grave. And Father, we pray that you would take this feeble effort of all of us tonight. And Lord, that you would turbocharge it. Take this couple of fish and these loaves of bread and you'd multiply, Lord God, this burden into the hearts of your pastors. Not pulpiteers, not pretenders, not players. Pastors who in this moment are ready to lay down their lives that they might minister to their flocks. Dear God in heaven, we pray that you send revival across America. And if you do that, it's going to be a revival of holiness. And we quite selfishly pray that it starts right here tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Again, that was Pastor Jack Hibbs, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, our host for Freedom Sunday. I want to wrap up this program the same way we brought Freedom Sunday to a close. We had all of our speakers that were there in person uh, end in a word of prayer. That included Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, the Reverend Dean Nelson, Executive Pastor Amato Wezar, Pastor Brian Hermsmeyer, ADF Senior Counsel Ryan Tucker, and Dr. Dan Erickson. They all came on the stage and we prayed for our country. And again, I, I want to encourage you to pray, to vote, and to stand. Listen to how these men closed our Freedom Sunday event. Father, I just pray that, uh, that you will make me a warrior, God, that you will let me go into battle. And I pray that every person that was in this audience tonight or that heard this online tonight, God, or that will see it in the future, will be made a warrior. Let us stand toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose, eye-to-eye with the enemy, and be victorious. For you are our commander-in-chief, in in Jesus' name. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this night. God, as these your people leave from this place, we pray that your grace and your favor would be upon them. And God, we ask as we leave from this place, the Lord, that you would continue to do in us what we are unable to do on our own. Give us, Lord, fresh vision and passion for you and a desire to make a difference in the culture to the glory of God. And we'll be careful to give you the honor and the glory for it all in Jesus' name. Lord, your word says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if you're people of the name, we are people of the name, we'll humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our ways. Then you will heal our land, hear from heaven, Lord, and forgive us. I pray that you would bring us to our knees and let repentance sweep through this nation. Father, I want to pray for all the stricken with fear, the prayer that Elisha prayed for his servant in 2 Kings 6. When he saw the surrounding army and he was stricken with fear, Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And his eyes were opened and chariots of fire surrounded him around the mountain and he knew that God was fighting for him. 
Lord, open our eyes so that we may see that there are more with us than those who are against us. In Jesus' name. Dear Lord, I just pray for all of these pastors out there, the ones on stage with me, the ones watching uh, far and wide. Lord, I just pray a spirit of protection over them, over their families, uh, over their congregations. Lord, I just pray for uh, the Big Seed Church. I pray that we would take a stand and that we'd look to you in all things. In your holy and righteous name, amen. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength of our forefathers to stand for the church once again. I pray that we would leave these doors and just cast out fear and make a difference for the kingdom. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we want to finally, we want to pray for our president, Donald J. Trump. Lord, we lift him up to you, the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence. Lord, we pray for great wisdom. We pray for strength. We pray, Lord, that you would guide their steps. And we pray that America would once again be one nation under God for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Again, that was our closing prayer at the Freedom Sunday event at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. If, you, uh, if you'd like to see the entire program, go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. And again, one more time, I'm going to encourage you to take the challenge to pray, to vote, and to stand. There has never been a more critical time and a critical election for our nation. And it's time for believers, for Christians, for followers of Jesus Christ to be praying for our nation, to commit to vote biblical values, and to stand for biblical truth. So take the challenge, pray, vote, and stand. Until next time, I want to leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is powered by the Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 